himself had samurai ancestry. He was extremely proud. a despair but from that despair came this feeling of like a necessity to create something fertile that could contain new ideas they were interested in rebuilding some kind of some kind of something yeah from the rubble of this atrocity and you had Mishima who is one of the greatest writers of the 20th century. And you had Tatsumi Hijikata, who was a transgressive dance artist. Mm. Truly transgressive. And not Uh just for the aesthetics and, like, the signifiers and the white paint and the things we associate with Butoh dance all the time, but the ideas that went into that work, which was that he was an outlaw, a criminal, um... And that dance can contain these radical ideas, um, and it doesn't. You don't have to express it in language. You can do uh, it through yeah, your yeah, body, yeah. or like T-shirts or advertisements. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he understood dance as something with like a radical potential in it. Mm. And Mashima found kinship with him, mm. and Tatsumi Hijikata's first major work was Kenjiki, that is based off of. Um, Mishima's writing of the same name. What I love about that and what I think is absent now is that there was some kind of communion between Mm. dance and other art forms. Yeah. Which now you get dance that is not very good and is also either an instrument piggybacking off of other art forms, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like a set dressing for, like, a Justin Bieber song. Yeah. Or just like slap it in front of a painting. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or a mural or, yeah. Right. It, it, it acts the same way. Yeah. Um, or it's just total therapy session for the bourgeois class. Mm-hmm. Um, but at this time, there was a, a communion between, between the arts that was collaborative but also recognized the autonomy of every form and that mm-hmm. there's something to be said in each one 
that can't be, you know, there's something to be said in dance that can't be said in writing. The Asbestos Hall was a place where Tatsumi Hijikata's dancers would rehearse. It was a rehearsal theater. <laughs> um, but also, and I think most importantly, it was basically a salon where mm. you had the greatest photographers of the time in Japan. And by greatest, I mean those that are doing cutting-edge work. Yeah. You had Mishima, the greatest writer of the 20th century, in my <laughs> opinion. You had Tatsumi Hijikata. You had Kazuo Ono and his son. All of these artists would go there, and it acted as a bar as well. <laughs> and they would go there and sit and slosh and, and talk <laughs> yeah. about ideas. And it was the Asbestos Hall, and it was fucking iconic and legendary in what they called the dirty avant-garde. Uh. You know, these transgressive artists that were trying to, from the rubble of... World War Two, yeah, yeah. Uh, see what they can do with with what had been handed to them. Right. Yeah, and I think uh, in contrast, I guess seeing the rubble that I think most people are predicting dance to be facing. Mm-hmm. Uh, post-COVID, whatever that means. <laughs> um, the approach to grappling with that is the opposite yeah. of that in this, like, gross, like, individualist, isolating, paralyzing way. Mm-hmm. And, and to further castrate dance, like, you already see because of the inevitable, because we're losing public space entirely in every realm of our lives, not just in art. But of course, if you are working in live forms, you see the death of these spaces. Like, that doesn't even exist anymore. And the reaction to that has been to make dance more of a gig even with dancers that have danced with the greatest companies out there there. yeah you see them now doing commercials and advertisements yeah and and, okay like whatever people gonna get their money like (laughs) blah 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 this and that but if you're someone who really cares about art or rather if you're someone who wasn't dancing for those companies and doesn't have any of those things, mm. you don't even have the option to do a fucking shitty commercial because right. you're nobody. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. What is to say for us, and how yeah. do we come out of the other side of this? Well, I think that's where you see. Um, it's it feels very almost like a sacrilege to like <laughs> the form. It's like it's there's no sense of owing something to what it is that we do. Yeah, and in fact, it's kind of... And investing in our craft as a whole. Yeah, and and, and, um, and the way that our craft is an art form in and of itself that yeah. interacts with other art forms. Yeah, and interacts with even each other. It's just <laughs> really this castrated right. thing... And, how quickly, you know, the, the uh, it almost feels as if the goal of the 
modern or the, the contemporary dancer, contemporary meaning right now, because that Not, word can mean a lot of yeah. things. <laughs> but the dancer of our APOC, it feels as though they've taken it on as their task to how can you instrumentalize dance to other ends outside of yeah. dance in and of itself? Dance is a means to an end. Yes. But then I think that the opposite reaction would be that dance needs to be totally separate from everything and dancers can't collaborate with other artists, which you also see that. Yeah. So you see dancers being used and dance being used as an instrument Uh huh. for other ends. And then you also see um, dance being totally separated and siphoned off yeah. from everything else artistically. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think There's no conversation. It's not in the cultural... No. You know, it's not in the realm of, like, any sort of cultural conversation about what art is and right. what art should be. It's just not there. Well, and I would say, like, I think on that, I don't know if this is... It's not. It's definitely not strictly a dance problem. Right. I think the problem is that that greater conversation isn't really happening. Right. Not just that dance isn't a part of it. And you know, I'd be really excited to on like this platform, like talk to people who specialize in like other, I guess, forms, and we can kind of talk about that. Right. Because I think that'd be cool. Right. I think that. What I love about the post-World War II Japanese avant-garde is that it was so multidisciplinary. Yeah. In a way that I don't um, I don't think we have seen really much of. No. Since then or ever. Um, maybe Judson Church, but again, people take the out, outward, you know, aesthetic signifiers of Judson yeah. Church, but they don't understand what was truly radical about it. Right. Which was that you had, like, Rosenberg and <laughs> um, Yvonne Rayner and yeah. John Cage interested in making work together. Yeah. For its own ends of the work itself. Yes. Not so-and-so, you know, so-and-so giant pop artists hiring these good dancers <laughs> to tour with them. Right. Which is not right. the same thing. You know, this is a very distinct approach. Absolutely. Oh, my God. It's so different. It's yeah. actually, I would say, antithesis. the antithesis. Yeah, yeah. of yeah. course. And so what I love about the reference to Mishima and Tatsumi Hijikata is that they were two... They're coming from different and uh, different places politically. Politically, yeah. You know, I would say that Hijikata is a nihilist in a lot of senses, but right. he has a leftist bend. You know, he's taking from... Genet and yeah, the surrealists yeah. that were more definitely more communist, mm-hmm. and then you have Mishima who was a rightist and mm-hmm. like outwardly an imperialist and these things, but it it didn't matter because they understood the artistic goal, uh-huh. which was to kind of cultivate a, a, an autonomous artistic realm that was uh, like significant. And that's also it's interesting because we talked about this earlier. It's like. I think to get there, to get to a point of transcending that, it, it is almost like nihilism in and of itself in, insofar as you have to recognize your powerlessness in the machine to be able to like transcend that right, like right. political front, yeah. which I think on a 
political like dialogue level, you're starting to see that a little more, but it has not transitioned even slightly into art. Right. And I don't expect it to. Totally. And and a part of the problem I think too is that artists insist on this empowerment narrative. Mm. Which negates the reality that we are so unbelievably powerless (laughs) yeah but i think even before the empowerment narrative um before you even are granted the right to be a part of that there's i think the moralization factor is right the most significant it's like uh the it's the gate it's like the gatekeeping um like you gotta pass you gotta pass the moral test yeah before you're given a platform to even be empowering or be empowered um yeah right 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 of course and and um which is just making everything so uninteresting because there's no uh conflict within the form right i mean like it's all about this kind of agreement with 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 the machine so yeah even dancers they can't even have a critique of the institution that they're in because it's all about kind of the righteousness of the whole thing. It, the yeah. whole thing depends on its own righteousness. So even though you're taking money from taxpayers to fund your narcissism project, <laughs> it has to be righteous. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's which is antagonistic towards the goals of art, which yeah. are is art creates its own ethics Art every work of art contained within every work of art is its own autonomous it's its own autonomous world so you have its its own ethics come from it and its own uh total worldview you know that's what Mm -hmm. a good piece of art contains especially you know when you're thinking about dance and performance rather than imposing Uh, an ethics onto it. Right. Its own ethics should emerge. Emerge. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, you, yeah, yeah. And you judge it based off its own of, of its own terms. It's yeah. all contained within the work itself. Uh huh. Now we can, on a political level, we can talk about how those things make money and how that. Yeah. How that generates the aesthetics that appear. But the quality of... that This is, like, more about the quality of the work. Right. And that it comes from the work itself. Yeah. It comes from its own form and, and it, not these societal structures, this kind of imperialism, basically. It's a cultural yeah. imperialism of, like, what is acceptable. Yeah. And then you impose that onto the work. Yeah. And if it doesn't fit within those things... And even Marxists do this. Yeah. Um, because a lot of even like the quote post left Marxists are like really spiritually bankrupt and they right. don't have an eye for art and they don't no. understand that it exists on its own, the work itself. Yeah. You know, everything has to be subject to this dogmatic rationalism, uh-huh. which is not good for art. No, no it's no. just as bad for art as the opposing thing, which is like woke art. Yeah. But I think that. Again, what I find interesting about this idea of the asbestos hall <laughs> is I find in it a 
moment in history that we can learn a lot from in terms of the way that uh, dance was in communion with other forms as an art form with the purpose of them being public and, and, and disrupting things as such. God, it's like fucking depressing to think about how far we are from that um, in every way. And I do think, you know, and I think a reason we have to recognize everything were none, nothing, no one exists outside of the machine. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, neither of us are moralizers. It's not like the fault of right. like the artist's However, this is why I say that I don't believe everybody is an artist. I believe nobody is an artist because I think an artist is somebody who challenges that. And I don't think that anybody is doing that, being like a victim of that like machine and like accepting your place in that and reinforcing our place in that and reinforcing the way that it runs it's kind of what we were talking about earlier. It's not even a propagandist. It's a manager of it. And yeah, it's, I guess, I guess it feels like important to recognize because I feel like we're so far from like that is like recognizing that the point of critiquing how far we are from that is not like scorn. No, of course not. It's actually, it's like, why critique it if you didn't have some kind of hope that it could possibly exist? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's 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 critique in kind of um, an affirmation that it is still a possibility that is yeah. on the table. Yeah, because I do. I think I think it is. I really do. Yeah, I mean, there's much to be done, and I'm not a cynic in mm-hmm. any capacity. No. And I hate. I, I tend to hate people that are because I yeah. think that it's just as cowardly as yeah the opposite being um, a total idealist optimist. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know that type of cynicism is also a kind of idealism. Yeah. You you think that you know everything in in everyone's yeah. heads. Yeah. Now. That's not to say that we're not going to critique the way that people have used these ideologies to get ahead in the marketplace. Yeah. Because there is a deep criticism to be made. Absolutely. And it's horrifying. Yeah. And those people, you know, that the way that that has been instrumentalized to those ends in the market should be totally fucking called to attention. Yeah. And I guess the emphasis is that the critique is not a moral commentary but rather just evidence to be committed um Mm. to be committed in the way that the people that i am very much inspired by were mishima hujikata to be committed to the idea that no matter what way you might think it will happen that there is a way out of this yeah and that to me was a deep commitment from those artists right and it speaks it speaks through history like i still read mishima today and i'm like oh my god yeah 
I might not agree with his politics fully, mm-hmm. but it's not about that. No. There's a conviction in that. A convi- yeah, conviction. But- a conviction that you do not see in, I was going to say dance, but art at all. Right. And it's because it's whiny. <laughs> and- a biological fact again yeah which is what they're doing yeah they're 100 saying they say whiteness versus blackness they don't ever forwardly say race is a biological fact right but that's exactly what they're doing yeah when they reify race reaffirming yeah yeah when they do it to this degree yeah i mean you're seeing woke segregation yeah right right so when you have that kind of biological essentialism of race again yeah plus the representation politic Right. Of representation equals good. That the way to transcend this biological fact is just to feel differently. Yeah, and and seeing someone that is biologically the same as you by their terms in a position of shoppy. Right. It's very bootstrappy. It's like saying that um if you see somebody who you feel you see yourself if you see yourself represented. Yeah. In a position of power or in this, in the higher rungs of this machine, that you will be able to pull your bootstraps up a little higher right. and survive better. Which, even though you are saying that it should look different for that reason, you're implying that it's a moral failing on the on the people who are failing who the machine is failing yeah yeah, yeah. like and say you're not you're completely mystifying the fact that the machine itself is what's failing people right by saying that there's more that these individuals could be doing they just didn't see themselves represented this is why the mystification and the identity politics and all of this totally reinforces yeah. how things are it acts as a therapeutic realm right. it exists to make someone feel better it, it exactly it, it's it's a therapy function yeah. and the reason why it's a therapy function is because of the way that the money is funneled absolutely into it. absolutely so it's like 
this is much different than if you see if you see someone dancing on the street or whatever and that brings you joy that's something totally different like whatever this is very much about the apparatus that yes. surrounds yes. dance yes 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 and and the way that dance is made mm-hmm. and what it looks like and what goals it sets out to do and is very forthright in those right. goals and like makes it very didactic and explicit yeah. that those are its goals no it's very yeah it's and the the moralization part of it too is very they're very dogmatic about it it's about an ethical judgment about the dance so it's like right uh the work again it's not work in and of itself it is a representation of that artist's ethics if there is something to be gained politically from art it's that it's not politics yes yeah it's therefore it can contain some kind of unprecedented rupture with the status quo right like that is the political utility of art right which makes it like a meta politics yes but now it's like no 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 how how well is your art <laughs> managing the adverse effects of capitalism yeah Particularly with dance, dancers just straight up saying, this is activism. Like, well, it's funny because yeah, it right. looks like protests. And you saw the protests this summer, especially towards the end. There were like no demands, no ideas. Activism and performance as a whole collapsing in on each other. Hmm. So, of course, it make, it only makes sense, the whole like, Dance is activism. Not even dance as activism. It's dance is activism. (laughs) It's interesting because there is an argument to be made. Yes. That, and I think it's an important one and a historically... Significant. Yes, totally. um, That dance does contain this radical aspect because it kind of flies into the face of the body as this thing that should just be kept alive yeah the The body is like bare life yes yeah you know keep it real safe and you know eat your soylent (laughs) whatever but dance really is something that flies in the face of that Yeah, yeah 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 because it's not political though right 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 because it's this autonomous thing, the, this different way of using the body, like that is what makes it radical. Yeah. So it's interesting that dancers now do the pageantry of protest thing. <laughs> yeah. And basically negate any radical potential for the form in and of itself. Absolutely. There's nothing significant about the form of dance being utilized in this way. On a number of levels... It's totally cucked because it's <laughs> it's cucked on the political level of right to think that doing a dance is gonna change anything on a political level is narcissistic. It's one narcissistic yeah. and like a, a deeply narcissistic cope mm-hmm. for a political malaise of us knowing on some level that we can't do anything about this and are totally powerless. Exactly. On the aesthetic level, that dance needs to be an instrument of something else. It needs to be right. instrumentalized to some other end. Right. It, it, it can't appear in and of itself uh, as a form that is worthy of people's time. Seeing art jump in 
to fill in the gap of a disappearing political realm. I think that it's even beyond artist as propagandist because of the nature of of what happened to the political. T- yes, yeah, yeah, totally. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's not even about necessarily being a propagandist for the state. No, it's more so you're being a social worker. It doesn't need like a disciplinary right. propaganda machine. No, but what it does need. What the fucking bloodthirsty machine does need is people to kind of manage the negative aspects. Yes, yes, yes. And yes. art does that, and it's like a therapeutic practice. So the, the representation empowerment mm-hmm. shit, it does two things at once. The artist who is <laughs> artist in scare quotes again, the social worker really. Yeah, yeah. Um, is... Through, exactly, through their narcissistic delusions. Yeah. They're representing and doing this social service. Yeah. By me being a black trans woman in dance publicly, um, other black trans women can see see me. me. (laughs) Yeah. um, And they will feel empowered by that. And maybe they do. Yeah. But when has that ever been the point of art? Art. It's very neoliberal. It's very, like, individual. It's very much, like, not making a critique on the way things are, but the way we feel inside of Mm -hmm. it, which is where the therapy thing comes in and the social work thing comes in. It's, like, managing our feelings within this machine rather than tinkering with the machine and the way it runs. This is actively making things worse. It's reinforcing the machine um, by being its manager and by doing (laughs) its social work and... It doesn't stand in juxtaposition, which I think previously a lot of forms mm. did, or, or, yeah. or ways of dancing did, in, in art in general. I mean, I, this is, again, a general criticism of art. Yeah. But I think that what's interesting about dance is that, especially when we're living in the epoch of total biopolitics, mm. where the state is controlling people and... Um, on a biological level right. and everything's down to the, the body again. Yeah. Again, even the race essentialism, every aspect it's biological. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting because with dance, it is so severe. Like it's not even through language that it's happening. It's yeah. like very physical. Yeah. You know, um, it's a physical violence. Yeah. It is a physical violence. Yeah. And <laughs> like almost when a dancer does what a lot of other artists are doing, it is more intense because it has to do with the body. Yeah. Um, and it's almost the full capitulation. Yeah. Even the, people who have the most radical potential with their art based off of it being made with their body. Mm-hmm. The first thing that they do is give it up to the state, you know? Yeah. Which has a lot to do as well with the education of dancers. And you can speak to this because oh my you gosh. went to a yeah. liberal arts school. Yeah. Dance program. Um, insane. Where they literally indoctrinate you. Yeah. Straight up. You don't really see it when you're in it, obviously. Um, Even if you do a little bit, you don't see it fully. Like, I look back and I see a lot more of the fucked up shit um, than I did when I was in it. And when I was in it, I even saw a lot of the fucked up shit. Um, But it's really insane. It's like you'll say something and you'll be corrected. And it starts um, from the top. It starts from the professors. Like, one of the things in particular I remember is how there's no apolitical art. 
we were told that there's no apolitical art. Um, which Arendt yeah. is rolling in her grave. Truly, everyone, everyone yeah, the brain in their head is is rolling in their grave. grave. And like, <laughs> I think that's absurd. Oh, I mean, we know that that's absurd, and. Not, but not only is it absurd, it really feeds this whole like dancers are activists thing. And not only dancers are activists, but dancers have to be activists. Right. Uh, yeah. In order to like affirm their moral character and affirm and justify their role in the field. Right. Um, I have to pass the moral compass test by telling you what activisms I did, and that determines whether or not I have a place to speak here. And, you know, anyways, in terms of literal brainwashing, it's like, if you say the phrase apolitical in terms of, like, describing a piece, it's literally like you're corrected. Like, well, there's no apolitical art. Apolitical art is just political art that takes the side of the oppressor. And it's like a machine. It's like, well, very mm, computer-like the way it's said even. It's like automatically, like someone says it, it starts like when you're an under, when you're, um, what is it? Like when you're a freshman or sophomore or whatever, it's like the professors say it. And then by the time you're a junior, senior, it's like your classmates will say it. And it's always the same. It's always the same wording, the same phrasing. It really does sound like you're like pressing a button. Right. Or like pulling the string. My dad always used to tell my mom. <laughs> my dad always used to say, you're like one of those dolls where I pull the string. But that's what people are like. Yeah. <laughs> that's what people turn into, especially in these institutions. It's like, <laughs> it's like if you say something that is against the ideology that you're being fed, you have to be corrected. And it's, you can tell by the way it's done that nobody believes it. Nobody yeah. believes or really understands. I don't think they don't believe it. I think they don't understand it. They haven't even thought about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what it's the like, ramifications of that Right. Are. It's like, you know, if you're saying that art is politics, you're, first of all, acknowledging the fact that the political realm doesn't exist and that it in itself. It, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. it doesn't do anything. And then it's this, like neoliberal machine where you learn in like eighth grade civics class that like the two parties exist so that nothing happens you learn that in eighth grade civics like <laughs> that it's like kept to keep any like radical action from happening and it's presented as a good thing when you're like 13 and then you realize that like the poverty line how we measure the poverty line hasn't been adjusted since like the fucking great depression and that like most of middle America is living in abject poverty and you're like, oh, maybe we need some fucking radical action. And then you're like, wait, maybe a machine that keeps radical action from happening is a problem. Because feeling like you don't have a say in the political is so important in keeping the neoliberal machine running. Right. Which is what we're talking about in terms of the role of art. Right. Um, in order for this fucking bland of an existence... We need to be convinced that we are powerless in order to just keep 
if you think that you can do more than keep the body going, that's that's fucking radical. I think um, the way that Ta- Sumihiji Kata put it was that um, this was in the 20th century. So he said something like, dance is not a commodity, and that's what makes it radical. Right. Now we know that dance is a commodity. Yeah. Um, but then, like, so what is that statement of our time? Because he said something like, um, the, the fact that I useless, I use my body and it doesn't produce anything. Mm. This is radical. Mm. And so that's very much like the Fordist um, industrial capitalism take on what makes dance radical. Right. But for our time, mm. I think that... Um, we know it's a commodity. We know mm-hmm. that it's all spectacle. We know this. Mm-hmm. Yes, we get it. So what is that? What's the equivalent of that statement now? I think it's that regardless of if, if it's a commodity or not, the body on a biological level, because you have to meet it at biology, because that's where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. So the body on a biological level is still undetermined. Mm-hmm. you know that yeah. is how you fly in the face of that idea right oh my god and it's funny because i think still the whole like we recognize us recognizing dance as a commodity the only way you recognize that is by recognizing that these realms have just totally like homogenized and like collapsed in on each other and become one big just like blob of algorithmic (laughs) signifiers right so dance is a commodity in as far as it participates in this it perpetuates it which is why the idea of exiting and being this autonomous thing is radical and i am also something that I think is extremely important is like nothing just like is like, I don't think that what I just said is applicable to dance as a whole. Like, I don't think that dance as a form will always be most powerful when used auton- like as an autonomous thing. But yeah. I think right now, and I don't mean autonomous is in like not collaborating. I mean, autonomous is in like, not being like a messenger yeah right right right, right. yeah so state ideology yeah and, and the artist the dancer not being a, a propagandist slash social advertiser worker. social worker right and you know even the fact that those two things propagandist advertiser social worker i kind of like said them as if it's one thing and that that's the thing is it kind of is right you're like selling you're a propagandist insofar as it's the ideology that the state wants to perpetuate, but you're an advertiser insofar as you're selling it. And you're a social worker insofar as you're making it feel right. Yeah. So you are all three at once. And you're probably doing it for no dollars. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, the you talk about this a lot is like, and this is, I think, part of a huge reason we're doing this is there's no reason to not be radical when there's no money to be made. Yeah. You've talked about this quite a bit. And I guess something that I 
want to bring up that I think we should like fucking storm out of the gates with is like wake the fuck up to the fact that if you think you're saying something radical but you're saying something in the same vein as what everybody else is saying and the state is saying and the institutions are saying <laughs> it's probably not radical yeah it's it's definitely not radical it's literally state sanctioned ideology yeah and <laughs> i think like this goes with the whole like historical idealism thing is like you know <sighs> You know, I mean, Marx talked about, like, religion as the opiate of the masses, which I think is right in terms of, like, but now wokeness is a religion. Yeah. yeah not in terms of, like, um, uh, being spiritual as an opiate of the masses, but, like, being, like, like following a dogmatic ideology blindly and with, like extreme fervor like that is an like that will fucking kill you if something is because i do think that people want to be challenging and do something i i think that and that's why we're doing this because i think that we see and feel an excitement and a desire and conviction it's just really misdirected yeah they um and there's a material incentive to create works that are totally ideologically in line with the status quo yeah no matter how personally righteous one might feel in telling their story or whatever mm-hmm uh, the fact that so many of the largest institutions that pull that are like the purse strings mm-hmm. for things as such are willing to give you money for it, right? You should then just recognize what you are, which is you're just a fucking useful idiot for the bourgeois yeah, state. Yeah, this is why. This is why I think like everything. You know, I think that a lot of traditionalists in dance. Like, um, when I think about my time in, like, dance, higher education, (laughs) um, and I think about my more, like, traditional old school professors, I feel like I got the most from them simply because they still had that, um, tradition insofar as feeling like dance was this high... I guess almost transcendental godlike thing, right? That you are striving towards and owed something to, because they still had a sense of this like other, mm-hmm. um, and the respect for form created had like drove this visceral like machine like visceral thing that made you like look towards something and desire yeah which i think desire is extremely radical Mm -hmm. um at a time where we're like convinced that we just need like the bare minimum i think desire is extremely fucking radical yeah um 
And I think that, you know, so many people were very quick to buy into the narrative that like, oh, these like old school professors, these like, like these boomers, like, okay, boomer, like, (laughs) and they're like, led by like girl boss millennials who are fully just career climbing. And it's almost sad how much students buy into this. Right. Um, because everything you're thinking about these like older washed up like boomers is more true of the people who are spearheading your so-called revolution. Yeah. Like, you should be watching the people that everybody agrees with. Yes. Which- yeah, I can't fathom how people who have this radical, or say they have this radical spirit or want to be, like, challenging, don't see a red flag when everybody agrees with them. This is what I can't fathom or can't understand. <laughs> and this is where I think it's, like, this is where the market comes into play. Yeah. Which is scary. But I look and I, I look back and I got the most from the people who I didn't look to as my moral compass because I didn't expect them to be that. I feel yeah. like... Um, yeah. Because they yeah. aren't. No, they aren't. You should not be getting your morals from, from artists. No. You, what planet are but, you on? I mean, fucking hell, beyond that, these people thought they were getting their morals from their professors. How cucked do you have to be to, like, think that your morals are going to come from a tenured professor? Right. You're godless people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and, uh... That doesn't mean you have to go become a Christian or a trad cat. No, because I'm I'm not like in a I don't know. It's weird to think about this. That's actually something I have um, always felt was isolating in the artistic senses. Um, I guess I guess what I'm saying is like it's it's a completely mm, secular way of spirit like doing spirituality yeah it's like taking (laughs) all the worst parts of religion and applying it to what it is that we do to be divisive and isolating and dogmatic but there's nothing to strive for and nothing to feel for and nothing to perform for. Yeah, and no unknown aspect. Yes, yes, nothing is unknown. It's very, like, historical and, I guess, controlling and all-knowing in this, like, Right, then it's Orwellian kind of way. Yeah, yeah, it's like man as all-knowing, omnipotent. Yeah, yeah. Then it's like, what is the point? That's why I say it's secular. And I think that like, it's hard because I've, mm, I think about eternal life so much that. I have never been able to consider myself like an atheist. Yeah. Um, 
which is cool as shit. I think like a lot of people who know me will be really surprised to hear me saying this because like, you know, especially like my whole like rad lib phase. <laughs> <laughs> you know, every rad lib is like totally like anti like religion. And I think it's funny when like people are like simple enough to look at like religion and spirituality on this like binary scale. But and if they don't, it's totally this whole like, yeah, I'm spiritual, like with the moon. <laughs> it's really because that's also secular religion. Totally. I love the idea of saying, you know, it's a recognition that there are things that are not known. That's a very that's what it all comes from. And yeah. and eternal life. Yes. I think totally. eternal life and the concept of eternal life. Um and morality is how you grapple versus how you perform. <laughs> like, how do I deal with knowing that this this will go on forever? Like, above all things, I think I am kind of, um, I, I'm interested in the duality of agent of chaos and, like, also compulsively obsessed with ordering things. Like, <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.